And what I compare bike lanes to is swimming with the sharks. Sooner or later, you're going to get bitten. Happy end of the week, friends. I'm Glenn Kubish, still in Edmonton, with three things that made me happy or grateful this week. I want to do a better job noticing the things I notice instead of the algorithm noticing for me. I'm betting there's less outrage that way. This week, number one, top of the list, swimming with the sharks continued. The voice off the top of the pod was former Toronto Mayor, the late Rob Ford, a decade ago now, memorably making the case for no bike lanes on city streets. In all the debate then and since, one voice I have felt, or imagined, was always missing. The voice of the shark. In Ford's rich metaphor, who was speaking for them? This omission resurfaced last week when I saw a popular news story about sharks in Southern California. I pay attention to shark news both because of Ford's rhetorical use of them and because Charmin, who works at the post office at the mall, knows a lot about sharks. And we've talked about them since Canada Post issued shark stamps in 2018. Anyways, new drone footage suggests great whites are closer to shore than previously thought and encounter oblivious swimmers and surfers more often than ever thought without incident. That's the point. Now, drone photography isn't peer-reviewed research, but the aerial view of sharks sharing the waves with people suggests there's another way to look at sharks, that they're not the mindless killing machines popularized by sensational headline writers and headline hunters, that a shark and a story of a shark are not the same thing. One of the voices telling us all of this is the Malibu artist on YouTube. It's his drone footage and commentary that are behind the recent news stories and the slowly evolving conversation. Here's three sharks sharing the waves with humans. It's a sight I am quickly becoming accustomed to filming. Notice this surfer fall off his board within reach of the shark. Yet the shark shows no interest. Go Oilers for sure, but yeah, go sharks too. Number two, three phone calls. Last weekend, right in front of us as Sheila drove on 50th Street near Manning Freeway, just as I was calling Foxburger from the passenger seat, a left-turning pickup T-boned a car, crumpling its door, blowing out its driver's side window, leaving the woman behind the wheel bleeding from her face and shaking in panic. Sheila had pulled over. I called 911. The dude on the line was the best I've ever come across. He did double duty keeping me calm and extracting accurate information from me at the same time. The ambulance arrived, we left, and I called the burger joint back. Now it was more of an emergency. You know, like when you've seen something violent and disturbing, you need a cheeseburger with the poutine side? Just me? I doubt it. Anyways, the woman on the other end of the line was so friendly. Her voice was so friendly. Could I be there in 10 minutes? See you soon. The next day, another phone call. This time, the woman crunched in the crash called Sheila to say thanks for stopping. Her husband said thanks. Her mom was on speakerphone too, and she said thanks. This year, more or less, is the 145th anniversary of the invention of the telephone. With it, the most remarkable and ghostly thing 
a disembodied voice became commonplace in our lives. We use the phone for all the reasons we communicate with each other, to share info, give directions, do business, and mysteriously, just to hear that we are still here, alive, together, for now. Number three, matches. More than once while reading the novel Blindness by Jose Saramago last week, I would simply put the book down because I didn't want to keep reading, because I wanted, impossibly, to stay in the sound of that last word or sentence or paragraph, even though so much of what is pictured is so grim. One of the pure joys was the author's description of the sound of a box of matches. On page 231, this is what he finds words for. In Saramago's hands, the shaking of a box of matches, the sliding open of the lid, the striking of the match, the materializing of the flame, all of this isn't description as much as inscription. Like the way sound waves are carved onto vinyl so I can, like, listen to Dylan sing Trust Yourself on an LP the way he did in 1985. Authors and book printers are in on the magic. They've also figured out how to make the sound of words stand still, and kind of cool this, how to get our reading eyes to do the work of our listening ears. I hope you all book some time with your senses next week, friends. See, hear you next time. Thanks for listening.